You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 5, Tanya Kay. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. On this episode, we have Tanya Kay. Tanya is a dancer slash actress slash artist slash businesswoman who discovered pole dance through her immersion in the world of experimental performance art. Tanya speaks with us about the magic of live performance and shares her inspiration and experience with producing and starring in the Pinup Pole Show, which is a full-scale production in Southern California featuring classic cars, retro burlesque, and pinup pole dancers. As you'll see, her passion and positivity for art and dance is contagious. And as always, head over to the blog at poleparlor.com where you'll find Tanya's post-podcast interview where she shares her favorite photos, music, pole dance video, and more. So without further delay, here's Tanya. Welcome, Tanya Kate, to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? Hi, Crimson. I'm great. It's so good to be on the Pole Parlor. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you. Um, So, uh, jumping in, I get the sense that you have a long history as a dancer. Have you been dancing all your life? Yeah, um, with the exception of two years after graduating valedictorian from high school, where I worked in factories because I grew up in a farm town and I didn't know where where to perform. I didn't even really know that I was born to be an artist. So I worked in factories and I had 13 jobs in two years. <laughs> and I got fired from all of them. And I got arrested eventually. And I thought that I was like a loser, until I discovered Chicago and I basically got cast and this, the day I got cast in, in my first professional production as a singer, dancer, actress, I never worked again. I'm not a loser. I'm an artist. Ah, where did you grow up? <laughs> I grew up in Michigan in a farm town in Michigan. Cool. Yeah. And then you eventually found your way to LA. I did via uh, Chicago and then New York and then touring for a cumulative five years of my life. So I've been to every state and like 18 countries. And then I wound up in Los Angeles as well. Uh, because you got to try all the major markets. You know, there's lessons to be learned by living and working in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what kind of dance do you do? What was, what did you start just kind of like as a kid in ballet or gymnastics or everything? No. I started because my mom caught me watching Star Search and there were these tap dancers who danced a cappella, and I didn't even know what that meant. It means sans music. It means without music. They were making the music with their feet. And um, I, I was shaking my booty in front of the TV and my mom said, do you want to take tap lessons? And thank goodness mom got me into tap dance because rhythm... Um, anything close to the ground, my butt, my thighs, they're like big and strong and rhythmic. And I can feel the earth 
through them. And I'm not a very grounded person otherwise. I'm all fire and air. Mm -hmm. So thank goodness for dance, which keeps me grounded, keeps me in my body, you know? Wow. Yeah. So I started with tap and uh, pretty much immediately I also started in theater. So I was performing at a very young age, like four years old, (laughs) and I was dancing at four and I was singing and I was acting and I was learning stage presence and entertainment value and production value and just creating that community of it's normal to take off your clothes and change clothes backstage (laughs) in a co-ed dressing room when you're three years old, you know? That's, yeah. that's upbringing. That, that doesn't fly at a factory. So I think that oh. may, now we understand why you were fired 13 times. <laughs> didn't fit in. Didn't fit in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So then uh, at what point did you discover pole dancing and how did you first discover pole dance? Well, I'd say through my love of movement, you know, dance and performance, I ended up in New York. And in New York, I auditioned for and booked De La Guarda, which is an aerial show. I auditioned for and booked Axis Dance, which is another experimental show. This was uh, modern dance and flagging. Um, And I auditioned for and booked uh, Decadence Theater and performed with this uh, concert hip-hop company. And then finally, the accumulation of all of that experimentalness was I auditioned for and booked Stomp. And that was, as a rhythm artist, that was my dream job. Yeah. And so up until New York, I had been doing more traditional theater and dance, dance concerts. But uh, at that point, I realized I'm good at experimental stuff. Like I take to the, you put a weird prop in my hand or say, this is weird. Can you do it? I can do it. So I, I toured with Stomp. I I toured and I did all of that stuff. And I went to a pagan gathering, which I am. And uh, the cool kids were around the fire and they had me over over to their group. And they fire danced. And that was the first time I saw fire dance. And one, not all, it wasn't fire dance that made me want to fire dance. It was this one woman. She was rhythmic. She was in it. She was feeling and expressing the music through her dancing with fire. And that's what I wanted to do. So I taught myself how to spin poi and how to fire dance. And now I have all sorts of props. (laughs) And then I met Jack Dagger in Los Angeles and he's a knife thrower. And he and I started knife throwing together. And I picked up all sorts of experimental stuff. I'm kind of passionate. So when I start something, I fucking do it until I'm good at it. And then I perform it, you know, and then I pitch it for performance and I get hired to do it. So, um, through that relationship, I also got a bunch of things handed to me and I got whips handed to me and I got staff handed to me and contact juggling, but whips was something that I loved and I really got into. So now I have like 12 whips and I can crack a cigarette out of a guy's mouth or oh. And, uh, you know, I do precision cracking and beautiful cracking sequences. And uh, then I toured with a freak show and I toured with Panic at the Disco who wanted freaky type people. Uh, I learned to stilt dance with Stilt World. So I was in that company and we did TV shows like Glee and America's Got Talent and all this stuff. So at this point, like I have a repertoire of experimental stuff, specialty skills and stuff I call danger arts. And it was from that love of dance, movement, 
picking up props, experimenting with experimental performance art that I discovered pole. Uh, it was a gig that I think I was probably fire spinning and stilt dancing on mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And the Silk Sisters mm-hmm. uh, are famous aerialists. They were an aerial duet and they brought poles. And this was back when nobody manufactured stage poles. These were things that they built themselves and kind of like brought to the venue. And I had never seen like a portable pole. I had never seen anyone do this. These what were aerial. What this? I, I don't know. I can't, I can't date myself. Like <laughs> well, we don't know how, how old you are at this point. Would you Good. say this was like, you know, 2007, 8, 2000, like ish or? Yeah, ish. Okay. <laughs> so this was like before there were pole studios on corners yeah. where people had heard of it. This was really like an avant-garde type of. They were um, of, of the first doing it as a performance art okay. and they were aerialists doing it, you know? Okay. And so they had technique and they had pr- performance qualities and I fell in love cause it was choreographed and they were together and, and it was sexy. And I was like, that's next. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. And I've been pole dancing for about four years now. I'm a big community person, so I don't just train at one studio. I train at every studio and I try to meet everybody because I love the community. And, um, you know, if somebody has a problem with me getting along with everybody, then (laughs) I don't need to hang out with that person. What's wrong with that person? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Cool. So, yeah, you pretty much do it all. And and I actually recommend people to go on YouTube and just search your name, Tanya K, because so many rad videos come up. Like, <laughs> it's like so much. There's pole, but then there's burlesque, lots of burlesque. Yeah. And um, what's the one where you have like the power saw that you're... Oh, my signature called? act. What's that called? Uh, Machine Shop Grinder Girl. <laughs> uh, Grinder Girl. And I combine all my specialties into burlesque because I'm such a burlesque performer. Mm-hmm. And um, burlesque is like a beautiful way to structure acts. And it's very vaudevillian and theatrical, which I love. Mm-hmm. And what I love about burlesque is the vaudevillian and theatrical side of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, my Grinder Girl is not just standing there grinding off of metal. It is an act and it has a purpose and it was originally developed. Here's the story of it because burlesque has a true burlesque has a story, right? I'm telling a story. The story of my machine shop grinder girl is she comes out. She's a little bit Rosie the Riveter. You know, she's like a she's a hardcore girl. She does stuff. She does whatever she wants. She's working in the shop. She's working in the machine shop. I worked in factories. I work on my car. I know what this is like. And I come out with my toolbox and I decide that I'm going to create the perfect woman. And so she's in front of me and I'm looking at her and I'm using tools that I bring out of my toolbox to shape her. And then they shape me and then the dance is shaped and then I put it away and then I grab another tool and I, and I mold her this way or shave off this and then I'm shaving off me. And it's, it's who is the woman that I'm creating Is it her? Is it an art piece? Or is it me? Am I the art piece? And by the end, I bring out the grinder. That's my reveal. That's really the burlesque reveal in this act. I bring out the grinder and surprise everyone by taking it to the next level and just grinding sparks off of my metal bikini cod piece. 
And people have gotten it. You know, some people are just like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> but women have come up to me after the show thanking me. They're like, I see your statement on the things that women will do to themselves to create beauty. And I'm like, that is the statement. Thank you. You got it. Like, the story is clear. Thank you. Badass. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a storyteller. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's no fun if there's no character. I, well, yeah, that and that's where you're, you know, you're also an actress, so that all plays yeah. into it. Um, and one of the reasons I was excited to have you on the podcast is because um, you are clearly an expert performer and you really know how to kind of turn on and engage with an audience, which is something I think a lot of us um, kind of struggle with if, you know, if, if dance is not in our background. So do you have any... Um, any hints for us? Like, what can we do if we say we have a poll show and it's one of our first poll shows and we're going out and performing for our friends and family for the first time? Like, what makes for a good performance? Well, it's not something that I, I can just say and then you do. You know what I mean? Correct. You have to work on it. Performing is an art form and you get good at it and you get better at it the more you do it. Um, but yes, I actually teach classes. I teach burlesque classes or workshops when I travel and... My burlesque workshop has no dance in it. It's not, burlesque isn't a dance form. When I grew up dancing, you don't take a burlesque class. You take jazz, you take ballet, you take tap, you take hip hop, you take anything, but there is no burlesque dance style. You can, so I feel that you can't come to me and I'm not going to give you a, a dance class when you want a burlesque class. <laughs> of course that I would. Sense. So, so I hope that if you want to know how to dance, that you'll go take a real dance class at, at a studio. But um, if you want to know how to burlesque, it's really act creation. It's about finding out who you are and performance is, is at the heart of who you are. So what I start my classes out with is this exercise and somebody called it a compliment parade. If they want to call it a compliment parade, that's great. But um, it's, it's a, Everybody lines up against the wall and each individual walks down the wall and looks every single person in the eye and makes an observation. And they turn into compliments because people are generally good people, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, and that's what I, I'm trying to teach people to look at their audience because the heart of performance, what is, what makes it a performance that there's an audience there for you. So the audience is the most important part of performing. And I see so many people stand on stage, they've learned all their tricks, they rehearsed all their moves, but they're ignoring the audience, they're afraid of the audience, they're, they're mean to the audience. Uh, they're, the audience is the reason you're here. They're the people paying your paycheck. They're, they're the gift for you. So I step on stage and I look in the eyes of everyone that I can see light on. And I could tell you if they wear glasses, what color their hair is. I could probably tell you how they feel. I listen to them as a host. I listen. I can hear if they're with me. I can hear if they're enjoying themselves. I can hear if they want to respond and they need to be contained. You know, I, I listen to them and I look to them. Always look to the audience. You will never, ever give a bad performance if you know what color your audience's eyes are. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. It's scary for a lot of us, but it's like, to me, you just sounded like really like empowered and kind of like turned on by it. Like, don't, don't. So the message is don't fear the audience. Don't, 
you know, don't be scared to look them in the eye, engage with them. And then that's your job. Yeah. You're performing for the audience. Yeah. You can dance in your living room without an audience all you want, you know? But, um, one time when I was living in New York, I was on the subway and I was watching this, uh, younger person and a lot of, you know, as you mature and you grow up, you get out of this. It's so wonderful. I would not trade anything to go back to 18, 22, 25, 27. I would not trade it because it's so awesome, you know, losing what I'm about to talk about. And you, I watched this young man and he was very pretty and he was cute and he was a cute boy and he was standing on the subway and he could feel when I was watching him. So I was his audience. Right. And when I was watching him, he was trying to look good right? Because okay. he felt me watching. So he wanted to be a cute guy. And so he, w- he wouldn't look at me back. He'd... <laughs> he looked around and he was so vacant when he was thinking about what he looked like that I lost interest and didn't want to watch him anymore. Yeah. And then I'd turn away and I could feel that he felt that I wasn't watching. And he went to being a normal person. Now he's a good looking guy. He doesn't have to try, but he's so attractive when he's just being a good looking guy on the subway. And when he's thinking, what do I look like? That is the most unattractive thing. So if you're standing on stage thinking, I want to look sexy, nobody wants to watch that. People want to see you be you. And you are sexy, or you are funny, or you are empowered. You don't have to be, just be. We want to see that. It's so human. That's, that's what performance is about. It's about being human together. It's one of the last remaining art forms that really brings out our humanity for each other. I do film and television too. And, and film and television do not bring out each other's humanity the same way live performance does. We have to protect this art form and you can protect it by being a real performer who stands on stage and just bees human. It's the most attractive thing there is. That's <laughs> amen. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's tough to, it's, it's like you need confidence for that, but you also just need comfort in your own skin to not overanalyze that part. And it comes with practice and it comes with, you know, knowing that people are also on your side and want to be entertained. They're not like jud- necessarily hoping that you fail or something like that. They're, they're looking for, you know, you yeah. to succeed. So especially if they've paid a ticket price. Yes. There you right. Yeah. So if they have paid $15, they believe before stepping in that door that you are worth $15. Yeah. If they paid $60, they believe that you are worth 60. If you're on Broadway and and they're paying $160, $180 for a ticket, they have expectations that you are amazing already. All you have to do is stand there and they already think you are amazing. So yeah. don't worry about it. Don't <laughs> if they showed up, they said you're worth my time. Yeah. And the live performances, you feel the energy and you're right. You can't replicate that on television or in a movie. No. I mean, I love energy to it. I do love as, as a mature woman, I do, I do love the art form and the subtlety and all of the internal work that I've learned from being on camera acting, Mm -hmm. but it is not the same. 
is stage acting. Yeah. And um, last week, actually, on our on our podcast, we spoke with Anne-Marie Davies. And uh, one of the things she mentioned is that she's hoping to see more performances of pole dance in addition to um, all the competitions that are out there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. hell yeah, I totally agree with that. I love watching pole. And I love, as you just said, like the connection you make, the energy that's in a, that's in a pole show. And it just happens that you produce a pole show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of felt the same, you know, when I was getting into it, because I'm obviously from a performance background. And I graduated valedictorian and didn't go to college because I don't believe that you can grade art. Mm -hmm. And I was clear that I was an artist, that I was going to be an artist, and that was what I was going to pursue. So I didn't want to go ask somebody to say I got a pass or fail. And that extends to um, competitions for me still. Um, I, I understand why they exist and I understand what the lure is. And I, when my girls win a competition, I'm fucking elated mm-hmm. and I'm so proud and I brag about them. But it's not really something that I'm going to do because I, you can't win. When you're a performer at heart, you can't win or lose mm-hmm. your art form. You can't, nobody's better than you. There's only people who are uh, more experienced, more real, more authentic, but there's no better to me. So, and, and production wise, uh, I also felt sometimes when I go to a competition, you know, it's not really set up for the audience. It's set up for, you know, the talent and the judges. So there's a lot of downtime and the production's not, it's not a high High value production. It's, it's more a little like boring. A, a, um, a sports snob. Well, I guess it's more sporty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I go to sport. It, there's definitely entertainment it's value. It's purpose for sure, yeah. and it, that's not a necessary component. But as a performer, yes. of course, I long to see something that had a you know a tight, formatted, beautiful arc of a performance value where people come in and the audience pays a ticket price. And um, they are never bored. They're taken on a journey with you. There is no downtime. Even in my show, Pin Up Pole Show, um, it's not structured like traditional format or vaudeville, uh, burlesque or vaudeville. Um, It's not solo MC, solo MC, uh, because even that wasn't, didn't, didn't have the flow that I wanted. I wanted something that was more theatrical and you would want to go see on Broadway and Thank goodness. I mean, people are entertained because we have so many repeat visitors. It's amazing. Some some of our fans have been there every show. Yeah. Tell us more about the show. Like, what's the theme? What's the vision of it? I know there's a, even a car show component, which is really cool. Kind of like <laughs> what I love about your show is that, you know, we always kind of talk about um, on this podcast about introducing pole to the general public and you know, it, a lot of these shows is one way of doing that and making yeah. people more comfortable with it as um, an art form and understanding what pole is. But you have really done that because you get people who just come for the car show component and they stay for the... It's so cool. Yeah, for the I, dancing. I'm into cars. I don't know if you know, but I'm <laughs> into cars. I have a classic. Um, I love cruisings. I love cruises. And... Uh, I wanted to create like an event that I wanted to go to, basically. <laughs> so how do pole and burlesque and comedy and cars all come together? I was like, mm, pin up. 
this, it's gotta be retro because there's something cheeky about all of that. And it wasn't being done either. And I'm, I'm still the forerunner and pioneer of this. Um, yeah, like pinup is commonly what people think of when they think burlesque, but also car guys think of pinup and pole. Uh, I see it as an art form. It wants to go burlesque. It wants to go um, cheeky, funny. I, and it wants to go like stripper sexy. It, it has a lot of places it wants to go. Um, but pinup is definitely one of those, that cute, fun, we love our bodies, you know, our curves. We love, we love our sexuality and we're not afraid to believe we're sexy and there's nothing bad about it. It's just fun, you know, like it's super fun, celebrating sexy and celebrating cars. And yeah, it's cool. So we have a red carpet. It starts with the car show and all the classic cars come, uh, I send pinup models out. They model with the cars. Our photographer takes stunning photos. It's so cool. Um, the the cast members go out. They model with the cars. Uh, then inside, we have Platinum Stages poles. And uh, we're actually starting at a second venue. So up until this month, uh, we've only been in North Hollywood. But now we're in Long Beach as well as North Hollywood. And uh, that's a lot of work, um, but it's cool. So we have a 16-foot pole, we have a 14-foot pole, we have another 14-foot pole, and we have a 9-foot pole. So we have four poles to work on um, that are permanently installed in the venue. And they're platinum stages. The girls, uh, they all win competitions. They do amazing work. They're teachers. They, uh, so they need to work on tall poles. And I like to deliver that to them. Uh, the show's soundtrack is rock and roll. It's either modern throwback or actual vintage music, which is cool. Yeah. And Monica Kay does a lot of the artwork oh. in the show. Because um, I don't know if you know, but she's a stunning airbrush artist and visual artist. I've seen her. For those who don't know, you can. she's vegan pole dancer on Instagram. And she posts some things sometimes. I'm like, that's rad. I know that's she's not pole dancing related, but damn girl. Yes. And if so, you want to see how good she is, just yeah. come see the show because her yeah. artwork is, all, oh, it, that's this so show is a display of her artwork. And, um, we've been partnering with a collective called girls drawn girls, and this is an all female art collective and they work on the Simpsons. They work on TV shows, but they also do pinup on the side and it's girls drawing girls And so we've been displaying their artwork. So it's an art show. It's a car show. There's dinner and drinks. Um, We have pinup photo shoots going on for guests. We have a red carpet for guests. And then the show itself is 70 minutes of amazing. It's I Love Lucy meets Cirque du Soleil. (laughs) We do tribute comedy. We do musical comedy. We do headliner burlesque with some major installations, including my champagne glass. Uh, Mm -hmm. I fabricated it. There's only three in L.A. I own one. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is super cool. And um, if I could develop it even further, I see it going towards like a festival and having bands after the show so people could yeah. stay in swing dance or dance and and do their own thing, you know? Yes. I love your enthusiasm. And I'm so turned on by people who have such 
uh, creative passion and vision and freaking execute it. And so, I mean, let you, you know, you be a role model to people that are thinking of starting their own pole production that it's possible. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing too, um, business wise, Mm -hmm. I do all these specialties, right? And when you're a specialty artist, you get paid better than just being a dancer. Um, because it's a specialty and not everybody does it. And it's acknowledged that it takes extra time and extra work and extra money to, to do a specialty by your props, you get good at it. So as a specialty artist, I'm, I was used to, um, booking at a certain rate. And then I started pole dancing and it was near impossible to even get paid to pole dance at that point. And, um, you know, I could go into why I think that is, you know, people, uh, most people have only seen it at a strip club and I, I have no judgment on that, but the business of the strip club is different than what they're used to um, hiring specialty artists for. So they, they don't expect that they would have to pay a realistic rate to get a pole dancer. That's insulting. It's insulting. So that's why, also why I wanted to create this show. It was to answer the production value that I wanted to see. It was to get ideas out of my head and onto stage finally, you know, not just my own solos, but other people's work. And, and it was also to pay my dancers and um, they deserve to be paid. Yes, that was something <laughs> that that came up in last week's podcast too. That um, it's a difficult industry. There's no money in in pole dance, and so just elevating the value of it. Um, yeah. that's that's it's another positive part of this whole. Yeah, and thing. taking it to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So making the show good enough that people want to come see it, not because they are pole fans. Mm-hmm. We want pole fans there, and pole fans come, but. I want people who just want to go see some theater. Yeah. They've never seen pole dance before. Okay. Now I personally have exposed like hundreds of people in LA to theatrical pole dance who wouldn't have otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have gone to a competition. They wouldn't have gone to a different pole show, a studio showcase. They wouldn't have gone to any of that, but they come see my theater and now it's spreading. And I feel, I do feel like it, ups the value of pole dancers everywhere because the mainstream finally is like, Oh, it's not just at strip clubs. Oh, it's not just a competition. I mean, that's fantastic, but they got to know that it's a, it's got value in entertainment. I completely (laughs) agree. That's great. And, um, great message. And also you are very, you are very outspoken and passionate raw vegan. And that is something I just wanted to bring up too, is that, you're, you're <laughs> for those who are just listening, she's just gulping down some green juice right now. <laughs> yeah, alkalized, people, uh, al- alkalized. <laughs> <laughs> and it just happens that all the girls in your troupe that perform at the pinup pole show are also vegetarian or vegan. How yeah. did, did you guys connect on that beforehand or how did that happen? I think, I don't know. I just got lucky. <laughs> I just draw, I just, I, I don't know how I got so lucky. And some of the girls that have performed with the show have since gone vegan Mm. as well. So it's spreading. Um, I don't know. I just got lucky. 
it's you like like it attracts light. It yeah, no. I was just gonna say that's the kind of like the energy you put out there is kind of the energy that's returned to you. And those yeah. people, you kind of find each other, you find your tribe. And then when we are together, it's like we're tighter because it's unspoken. You know, our parties that we have, we have a, a decompression party after the show, and it's gonna be vegan. You don't even have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if we go out to eat together, we choose a vegan place. We have this like connection where I love other people. It's not like I don't love carnivores, Mm -hmm. but, um, but you know, sometimes you have to, Oh, we got to go to a vegan place or, or you don't get to eat that good of food or whatever. So we've got this connection and it's moral and it's ethical and it's environmental and it's health based. And I'm proud because all these chicks are like hardcore athletes. Oh, wow. Yes. So when people come (laughs) to see the show and they're like, bam, Tiffany Rose Mockler, like doing this up the pole, no legs. She just climbs the pole with two hands. She's so bad. And then Candace Kane with the six pack abs (laughs) and the legs out to here. And Monica Kay with her, with her, you know, tattoo vegan for life (laughs) over here. And, you know, me, sexy as hell and, and unafraid <laughs> of anything. And then Heather Lou, just voluptuous blonde, you know, she's everything that that you think is sexy. And we're doing this like vegan. I love to talk about it during the show. Even I'm like plant based power. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, something about you. You just um, you're really um contagious with your um with your excitement but clearly you're really good at just creating communities and building communities around whatever it is you do i'm super communal based that's for sure yeah yeah Yeah. so that's just another instance of how that worked out for you in that in that sense (laughs) yep you're right like attracts like. Yeah. So, wow. Um, and before we finish talking about the the pole show or the, yeah, the pinup pole show, is there any challenges that you just can share <laughs> with us putting it out there? Because I know that in the end, what we see as an audience is um, pretty pretty stellar, pretty amazing. It's very polished, but what, what are we missing that's going on behind the scenes just out of curiosity? Well, Cause I've never been involved in producing anything such as that girl. I mean, <laughs> producing is not performing. Yeah. If somebody had told me that as soon as I started producing, I would have no more time to go to pole class. I might have reconsidered. Wow. It, it takes a producer's job is a, a producer who does a good job um, it takes all your time. It's like my career and you don't, it's so hard for me personally to enjoy the day because I work from 8am to 4am the next day, wow. you know, because, and at hour 13, I star in my own show. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't even get to hang out at the cruise in. All the other people are enjoying the car show. And I'm like down there for 10 minutes. All right, got to go back up. So um, produce just anybody who's thinking about producing, like it's your job. Don't produce because you love to perform. (laughs) (laughs) Produce because you have something that you want to create as a producer and you want to see it happen. And you're willing to dedicate your time to that. That's what's hard. Getting along with the girls, easy as pie. Uh getting them to get deliver show stopping performances simple um 
but produce the hardest part about producing is uh, selling tickets and uh, time management, for sure. Promoting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even enjoy social networking all that much, <laughs> but you wouldn't know it by how much time I spend on it. It's, it's a necessary <laughs> evil in a lot of people's lives, yes. <laughs> yeah. In the future, I will, like, I'm good at all aspects of everything. Like, I can design websites and... I, I um, in between the shows, I produce photo shoots, pin up photo shoots with amazing photographers and all the girls get together and we grab, um, you know, car clubs like Odd Squad and Voodoo Disciples and, and we bring them into the photo shoots and they're big productions that have no audience. And it's not like, it's not like I just relax after the shows. <laughs> it's always it's, something. It's still creating. And then you're buying new costumes and then building new props. This is a high production value show. Like the set pieces and the props are worth the ticket price alone. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's something that makes for um, speaking before about like what makes for a great performance and, you know, engaging with the audience. But also you can't deny how important it is to have good costumes, good um, stage design things like that even lighting it makes a difference that's not something you know especially the lighting things like that you can't necessarily control um if you're in a performance but if you're producing a performance you're there you're running tech you're that's your thing (laughs) you're involved with every aspect of the show um someday i'll pay somebody else to do it but that's not yet but you know the financial commitment of it being my own company it's not i'm not bringing in soloists who are doing their solo. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting the girls to have to pay to perform. I am, I am investing in my belief in this company. And so just to give you a little idea, uh, a, one pinup dress, one nice pinup dress is $170. Oh, wow. There are five girls in my show. That dress will be used to recostume just the opening number. Okay. One act $200 per girl, five girls. That's like uh, $800, $900 to recostume just the opener. Wow. And there's 12 to 15 acts in the show. I was just going to ask you, and how so, many acts are there? Wow. <laughs> think about it. Think yeah. about it. <laughs> it adds up. It's investment. I don't think people even think about that sometimes, but it is um, – it's an art form in and of itself being able to put put a put a product you know produce a show it's not just the performers themselves it's the artistic vision that goes in behind the scenes that maybe some of us don't even think about i did a a a fundraiser on indiegogo to get started okay yep i i raised like nine thousand dollars oh cool and the people who contributed are directly responsible for the success of the show. Absolutely. I don't think I, I could have really justified taking my money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or a lot, you know, it would have been very difficult to start the show any other way. So they are the reason that it exists pretty much. (laughs) And see, that is where, you know, we just said, uh, social media, but then yay, social media. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that's like, your community. There's yeah. another community in there. So you get to talk to the people and you follow through with the people. And the people who contributed now ask me, how's your show doing? And I'm delighted to tell them that they were a part of what is now a super success. Like, it's going really well. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So anyone, well, first of all, the, the website is pinuppolshow.com. Is that? Yeah. Pinuppolshow.com. And we're on all social networks. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, G plus, uh, Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can follow us. You can interact. I'm very available. I'm running everything. So just talk to me. <laughs> Yes, get on the mailing list so you can hear when the shows are coming up and things. And you do, you mentioned it before, you do produce some really cool like promo videos that that are really fun. We do media in between the live show. (laughs) We have photo shoots and we have videos that we're creating. We're getting some great press coverage. Uh, Penthouse TV just did an amazing segment on us where at the end, the host, Sam Phillips said, and I quote, this is the best fucking show I've ever seen. Ah, end quote. Penthouse wow. TV. Penthouse TV. I was like, thank you, Sam Phillips. Wow. It's quite the accolade. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, cool. So when's the next show then? I know for, for anyone listening currently, the next show is in March. Yeah, March 19th, we're debuting down in Long Beach. Okay. So register your car. Tell your classic car, custom car friends, get them there. Dress pinup. We give away prizes for the best pinup dress. We give away prizes for the best cars. Um, That's March 19th is our debut in Long Beach at the Federal. And then March 26th, the weekend after, is uh, our first show of the year in North Hollywood at the Federal. And that one has got a lot of momentum going. So that one's a lot of fun. If you're up in the valley, like come. If you're in Hollywood, come to that one. <laughs> I'll be at fun. that one too. So. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> and then if you're listening to this at a later date, there, this is an ongoing production. Yep. So just check out our website. Check out the website. You'll see when the next one is. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So. Moving to the kind of closing questions, the standard questions that I ask everyone to close out the podcast. Um, number one, who is Tanya Kay's pole crush? Natasha Lang. <laughs> I love her technique and I love the, the artistry of her movement. Yes, you're not the first one to mention her. <laughs> She's a babe, totally. <laughs> Such a babe. <laughs> and uh, how would you like to see the pole community evolve over the next five years? Well, of course, uh, all that we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to see the production value go up. I would like to see people create with a longer vision than just a single act, like create performance pr- productions. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but mostly what I'd really like to see in the pole community is uh, the business mind takeover. Mm-hmm like us take ourselves and our values seriously and stop working for free. (laughs) Now there's a difference between doing a studio showcase. Yes. That's not working for free. That's community-based. I totally know there are different reasons to perform. (laughs) There are different reasons to perform. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it for the experience of doing it with my studio. And I know a lot of us do that, but you're speaking of there's, there's a career in this and, People need to be valued for for their yeah. talents and the time so, and efforts. It's like that, um, you know, uh, Love Burning Man. I've spun in the fire conclave five years uh, wow. and I've been there at Love Burning Man. <laughs> um, but some people will go to Burning Man and discover that they love fire spinning or some performance art. And then they'll they'll come they'll take it to their hometown and they 
will lower by accepting jobs that are sub professional rate, it hurts the whole community um, of professionals. So I, it, I've seen this in dance. I've seen it in acting. I mean, it's the plight of the artist. It's but creative, if we yeah. together can all agree that we deserve to be paid, <laughs> then we will. We all yes. will get paid. <laughs> yes. And I want to see people get paid because yes. it's a, a valuable entertainment form. Yes. People can't put on beautiful productions like yourself if you're not being paid for it. If you, you know, yeah, you can't do that for free. So I want to see our really strong pull community develop an equally strong business mind. I think that's a really insightful response to that question. (laughs) (laughs) And then is there anything coming up? Uh, We kind of already touched on this, but to share with the audience, I think we shared all of your social media already. We know when the, when the show's coming up, um, I already pushed to go find your YouTube so you can see. Cool. See your performances. Is there anything else that I left out? Yeah, actually, in my acting career, this is kind of exciting. I just won Best Villain from the Horror Society. So, And I was the only female nominee. So talk about female empowerment. Like, I was the only chick there. Um, (laughs) And then uh, on March 13th, on Lifetime, uh, my... I star in a movie that's going on Lifetime Movie Network. It's called The Other Wife. Okay. And your grandpa can watch it. My grandpa's going to watch it. It's on Lifetime. <laughs> and, uh, I'm sure my mom definitely wife. will be watching it. <laughs> it's good. It's a thriller. It's oh, edgy. cool. And so your acting stuff's on your personal website, which is tanyak.com. Is that right? T-O-N-Y-A-K-A-Y.com. Cool. Check it out, everyone. And then finally, can you leave us with um, an empowering message just to sign off with? Yeah. Um, Last year, when I was pushing so hard to create the show and uh, uphold my acting career and my dance career and burlesque with other companies, um, I pretty much made myself sick because um, I did not allow for time to rest to make healthy food, to be with my lover like I should. And so right now I'm, I'm learning that uh, no matter how passionate you are about things, uh, it, you have to have priorities. And those priorities are summed up in this statement that I want to leave everybody with. Live slow, die old. <laughs> no reason to go faster than that. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't burn out. That's great. Cool. Don't. don't. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities, you know, health. Yes. Loved ones. And then everything else. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was such a great conversation. Thank you, Minx. Ah, You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor Podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening.